I invite you to have a seat. Over the last few weeks and continuing on from this point, uh, we have been looking at connecting people to Jesus and how Jesus really connected to the people around him in the Gospels. And this evening or this afternoon, we're going to be looking at the invalid at the pool of Bethesda. And that's a cool story because it connects into this long history of the church. That's where that Nehemiah reading came in. It's where they they come back and, and they start uh, building again. And that's one of the spots that they rebuilt. But before we get there, I just want to, I want to admit something. And if my wife was here, she'd be shaking her head. And that is, I love spoiler alerts, right? And, and stay with me because this is, I think, important to this story. And so if, if you're in our house and you watch a show like Mass Singer, I'm on Wikipedia as it starts to see who gets out, okay? I'm also the guy who knows that for my soccer team, the Seattle Sounders, the Twitter feed comes in two minutes before the, the video feed comes in. And so I'm, I'm refreshing that during the game because I want to know uh, where it is that the scores are going to happen, right? I'm also that guy who has seen the alternate endings for Star Wars because uh, I think it's really cool. And I think there's a reason that we do that, right? And I think it's a little bit different than the, the recent study that came out from the University of California. The University of California said uh, people actually enjoy things more if they're watching it, if they know how the ending's going to go. And they said it's because, it's because they can actually relax and get into it and not have the tension of not knowing, right? But for me, it's because, you know what? I, I've got little kids. I kind of need to know some of the information. Like the mass Singer, I want to know who it is so I can actually help them understand who got out, right? Who, who got voted out. Or, or the soccer game, you know, I want to make sure that I know that I need to be kind of quiet at midnight when my team scores so I don't wake up the rest of the house. Right? There's, there's certain reasons for me, but in all, there's reasons that we like spoiler alerts or we don't. Well, I'm going to give you a spoiler alert for today's uh, sermon right here. All right? God's word is enough. That's where we're going. That's what we're going to be talking about. And I think that's an important message for us where we're at. Last week, if you were here with us, uh, Pastor Goff had this uh, image up. And he was talking about how God's law, the, the law that we read in the Bible, acts as a mirror at time for us. So that we see ourselves in it. And in that reflection, we know, we know that if we wake up and we look like this, we need some help. Right? Whether that's just a comb or even more, as we look at the Bible and the sin in our lives, we need help. Well, I also think as we do that, sometimes we look in the mirror at an image like this and say, whew, that's not me. Or, you know what, I, I'm not that bad. I don't, I don't, I, I can change the story a little bit, so this is, this is, I mean, that guy, he could walk out of the house with that haircut, right? I do it sometimes. But we want to change the story a little bit to mold it into what we want it to be. We want to give the spoiler alert 
for what God's word has to say for us. And I think when we do that, we don't recognize that God's word is enough for our lives. And I think the story of Jesus and the invalid speaks into that. All right, and here's how. Number one, the invalid, when Jesus says, do you want to get well? He makes an excuse. Well, you know what? I can't get into the water when it's stirred up. So, you know, other people are jumping in. It's not my turn. He makes this excuse. That's not what Jesus asked. He asked a yes or no question. Do you want to be healed? And then he gives the words, get up, take up your mat, get up and walk, right? He, and he does it. And that's amazing. Now, as I was reading the scripture, some of you may have noticed that there was something a little odd in the numbering. This scripture goes like this. It goes verse 1, verse 2, verse 3, and then verse 5. It skips verse 4, unless we go back into old manuscripts. And here's what that verse says. Verse 4. For an angel went down to a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Here's where the stirring of water comes up that the invalid was talking about. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. I think someone added a spoiler alert for us. They wanted to add into the story just a little bit. And here's where that comes in to our lives and into the scriptures that we have today. Here's a little bit of a history lesson. The Bible was an oral tradition. It was passed down from family to family, uh, people groups to people groups orally for a long time. And then it was written down. It's transcribed, right? And it was, as it was transcribed, more and more transcriptions happened. More and more copies were made of this. We know that because there's things like the Qumran scrolls. And this is thousands of scrolls that were found in an area because they were hid away from battles and from fires and all these things. And so if you go to Israel, there's this whole, whole area and a whole museum that's set up for this. And what we learn is that early manuscripts, the early transcriptions, all don't have verse 4 in it. They, they all go with what our scriptures have today, the, the ESV and the NIV. Right? And so what happened was that at some point, someone thought, oh, you know what? The spoiler alert doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that Jesus was just talking to this guy and he mentioned something about stirring up water. And so I want to I add into that just a little bit and say that there's this angel that comes down. Well, the early scrolls don't have that, but what happens is in the first century, we have copies of all the manuscripts that have it added in. And they all get added in after this uh, gentleman here. He's kind of uh, funny looking a little bit with his beard, really bushy. But his name's Tertullian. And Tertullian wrote, uh, he copied the scriptures. And as he copied, he added it in. And then it, it became the norm. It became the norm. Because at some point, someone said, we need more to the story. We need more to the story of what's happening here. Well, I think the more to the story for us is Jesus' words, right? Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Jesus knew exactly what the gentleman needed. 
He knew exactly how that story was going to go. And, and he said the words that were needed. Right? He, he knows us as well. And he knows what's needed in our lives. We each have things where it's like, uh, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. But so often, I think we want to add to that story. And we don't see the words of Jesus as being enough. We see them as part of the spoiler alert, part of the end of our story, but we don't see them as what we need in that moment when his word speaks to us. The author of Hebrews says that the word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing divisions of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now, I don't know about you, but I love the show Forged in Fire. And as they make the knives and the swords and all of that on that show, it is apparent how sharp that is. It's apparent that, that those weapons, a double-edged sword, can get in to where it needs to go. So if we see the Word of God, if we see the Scripture living and active in our lives— that means it's directing our way. It means that it is enough for us. And so we also know that we have a God who isn't just uh, put us into motion and left us, but we have a God who sent Jesus. And Jesus went through some of the same stuff that we do centuries ago, but he was tempted. And you know what? He can empathize with us. He can step into our shoes. And so when his word speaks into our lives, it's enough. Because he's been there. He's done that. He's come out the other side, and we know the rest of his story. We know that he rose again on the third day so that we could have an, an eternal life. And in that, he says, you know what? You are loved, and you are forgiven, and there is a hope for tomorrow. So we can say, God's word is enough. The question is, as Jesus was talking to the man, he says, get up, pick up your mat and walk. What's he speaking into your life today or this week or this month or this year? The only way to know that is to get into his word. And I know one of those things that he's speaking into our lives comes from a memory verse that Mr. Book just had his students learn this week. It comes from Isaiah 25.1. Fear not, I have called you by name. You are mine and I have redeemed you. You see, those words speak into our lives because we're claimed. We're, we're accepted for who we are. We are loved for who we are. And that is an amazing thing for us. That's an amazing thing that we can claim. And it's in God's word so we know it's enough for us. So how do we take this home? How do we, how do we get up after we've been spoken to and, and, and take up our mat and go just like the invalid did? Well, I think for us, here's, here's where it lands for me. And I'm wondering if it lands here for you as well. We need to see the word of God as a PDF and not as a Word document. 
All right? So some of you who are in school may understand that. But here's the difference between those two. A Word document is set up to be corrected. It's set up to be added into. It's set up for collaboration, perhaps. Or, or it's set up so that someone can, can speak into it for you. A PDF is set. And it's set to be the words on the page. It's set to be right there, just as it is. Not to have other people add into it or subtract away from it, but it's there to be turned in for what it is. And so if we see the Word of God as a PDF, it means that we read it, we digest it, and we say, yes, God's Word is enough for us. His word of love, his word of forgiveness, his words that I have been redeemed, that he knows our name, it's enough. So as you go this week, this, this month, this year, know this. As you read the, the word of God, as you're, you're digesting it from reading the Bible, as you're here in worship, and you're hearing it from uh, up front, or you're in Bible study class, or you're in religion and school, or wherever the case may be. As you hear the word of God, it's enough. We don't have to add in or subtract from it. But we can take it for what it is, and we can see how it's living and active in our lives. And we can know that in it being living and active, it means, man, we are a part of this story that God knows us for who we are and he claims us. You are mine. Those are the words from Isaiah. You are mine. And that is amazing. Amen? Amen. As we think about what it means to be God's people, we think about what it is we believe about God. And one of the ways that we share that with one another is to speak the words of the creeds. And this evening we have the Apostles' Creed. It comes from the first century. It comes from uh, words of people who are trying to explain who Jesus was in their lives. And it helps us explain who Jesus is in our lives. And so I'm going to invite you to stand and we're going to speak the words of the Apostles' Creed together. <laughs> 